0: It's car con carne. Let's eat. I'm James Van Alsle. The show tonight brought to us by our friends at Siren Records, McHenry. I swear to God, one of the benefits to my wallet uh, when we're on the other side of the pandemic is me not spending every dollar in every moment thinking about buying records. That said, when I'm doing it, there's no place better to do it than Siren Records, McHenry, uh, a location that has fueled my habit for the better part of the past 13 months check it out for yourself head on out there Uh, weather's changing in the chicago and suburban area drive on out to mchenry go to siren records tell bill and jenny i say hi and they'll treat you like family or something or at least music fellow music fans so my guest tonight on car carne he is an author he's a journalist he is adam bender whose latest book utopia pr is about a pr specialist managing various crises for a dystopian president adam bender good evening hey how are you doing I'm doing great. Let's just start with the book. First of all, I say something like managing crises for a dystopian president. Yeah. I, I think people's inclination would be to think, Oh, is this, is this about Donald Trump? Is this, a, is this a, a take on the past four years of politics, but this is not a partisan book.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want it to be a, a partisan book. Um, it's, you know, as a journalist, I I've covered, uh, both uh, Democratic and Republican administrations and, you know, a lot of the the stuff they do, uh, you know, pivoting from points or uh, spinning bad stories in a good direction kind of you know, applies to everybody. And um, with this book, I kind of wanted it to, to show, you know, this is something that can happen with, with any government, you know, for
0: sure. And th- this president has a throne room, I feel like we're heading in that direction at some point. The thing about dystopia, the thing about great dystopian books, and this is a humorous dystopian book. The thing about great dystopian books is there are just enough threads of plausibility to make you think, yeah, we could be heading in that direction. Yeah. Like I I could see where things could exacerbate and become what this is. And to that end, there's a lot in this book that makes me think, oh, yeah, we we see that now, All, all the way down to the way the job of handling PR is described. Um, Here we go. People in power tend to suffer from one kind of mania or another. The job of a PR rep is to keep the powerful person from showing it. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's not fiction. That's, that's, that's (laughs) the reality of PR dystopia or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, well, I did say that um, it applies to, you know, either side. I have to say that the last five years I've watched probably way too much CNN, uh, you know, just trying to, keep track of it all and and seeing all these uh, government officials go on and, and spokespeople go on. And it's just, just so amazing to see all all the ways that they can, you know, avoid questions altogether or, you know, talk about what they want to be talking about. You know, it's, it it starts as like a, a question about, you know, aren't you endangering public safety? And then suddenly they're talking about jobs and, you know, (laughs) (laughs)
0: totally, totally ignoring the question. I I see that. And I'm given hope for my own, life in business personal life you know should we get another dog ask my daughter well the thing about dogs is i love scooby-doo as a kid and cartoons are great we should watch more cartoons together when was the last time we sat down and watched an animated show and just take it in a different direction
1: oh man you're good at this yeah big
0: fan of spin uh one of my favorite parts of this book again this is a dystopian humor book you talk about the grand list of distractions yeah which it's like the that secret weapon the the greatest PR tool' they're, they're brought to sure. life in this book some possibly
1: of my... written when they were a little drunk but but yeah still excellent. well okay, my, my favorite
0: one of the bunch I mean there's fire, the vice president, yeah. bacon festival with free bacon and hands down I, I hope you know where this is going my favorite one require business people to wear hats like in the old days.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> that that was one of my honest to God laugh out loud moments reading your book.
1: Oh, great, great. Yeah, no, it's my that that list. I I think when I was writing that, I think I was on a train. I don't know why I remember that. And I was just like, you know, I had the idea they should have a list. And I literally just brainstormed a bunch of ideas. Uh, you know, my wife was with me and I, I asked her if she had any suggestions. I think the bacon one might be hers because she's a big, big bacon fan. Well, sure. Um, <laughs> so I gotta give her some credit on that one. But yeah, it was just you know, actually uh, with this book, a lot of it, um, I should I should say that before this book, I wrote three dystopian uh, books as well, but they were more on the serious uh, horror of dystopia side of things, um, and and then kind of as current events felt like they were sort of just catching up to my books, I kind of felt like. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, maybe I should have a little fun with this, you know, next novel. <laughs> and so that's kind of why I wanted to do comedy. And and a lot of the the writing of it, I, I tried to just kind of go into it and, and just kind of have, have fun and, uh, you know, come up with stuff on the fly. Or sometimes I'll, I'll go back and read it and during the editing process and then just, oh, uh, you know, here's a, a funny thing I can insert there, too. So, um, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's funny you should say that about your first few books being. Dystopian books of the more traditional variety, and they became a little too close to reality. Uh, that's what the guy behind Black Mirror said about his show. Yeah, <laughs> he, he just had to put the brakes on Black Mirror. You know, life's just getting a little too close to this. I just need to step away. There's nothing I can create that uh, can can be enough of a distraction at this point.
1: I kind of feel that way about Black Mirror too. I, I really enjoyed it for a while, and then after a while, I was just like, "This is getting to be too much." So, right. uh,
0: but I, we all needed a good lighthearted. Uh, dystopian book and i will say if you're in if you're listening to this if you're watching this uh this is a quick read this is this is not meant to to labor over this is something you can burn through in a night or two before you go to bed which is what i did
1: yeah again like i I was just trying to have fun writing it and i wanted to write something quick and um i guess one of my biggest author influences is uh kurt vonnegut um and i always loved kind of how how bitingly funny he can be with like so few words, you know, yep. maybe a three word sentence. And, you know, I, and then also as a journalist, they trained me to write very short. So uh, <laughs> but, you know, get the point across in as few words as possible. So kind of those things uh, combined.
0: Yeah. As we're talking about dystopian, as we're talking about Black Mirror and such, you cover technology and its regulation yep. in your proverbial day job. I, I've got to think that being a journalist, writing about technology, just doing what you do that has to inform your work as a fiction writer.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I, I write for a publication called Communications Daily. Um, I cover uh, state and local telecom and internet issues. Um, but I get into a lot of issues like privacy, um, which is kind of especially big now. A lot of states are looking at passing privacy laws. Um, and then I've also covered, you know, fair share of surveillance, uh, cases and stuff kind of back when all the Patriot act stuff was happening. Um, if you, if you remember all that. Um, so no, yeah, every, every day I'm writing stuff that kind of, um, on topics that inform what I'm writing in my, in my last novel, I incorporated a lot of, um, uh, augmented reality stuff and like wearable watches and stuff, you know, things like that. Um, But then also, uh, so not just the subject, but I'm I'm covering politics. So I kind of have gotten a feel for just how, uh, you know, politicians talk about things and and, you know, the phrases they use, as I said before, like bringing up jobs and, you know, win, win, win uh, (laughs) and, you know, things like that, you know, where they can explain, you know, they can boil down any complicated issue into, you know, uh, you know, this helps consumer consumers in some way, or it hurts consumers. You know, and um, I think a lot of that kind of talk and covering hearings kind of is just you know ingrained in my mind now, and I can just kind of write naturally, kind of write in that style.
0: Well, the the, the details and the quips come at a really quick clip in your book, uh, which made me think of you know there were moments when I thought, okay, dystopian West Wing, the, the way conversations okay. bounce around. Uh, your book made me speaking of products and whatnot uh your book made me rethink my relationship with milk Good. and you're you indirectly make the point but we as a society we have too many milks
1: yeah I, <laughs> that's true <laughs> well one of my yeah one of my favorite parts of the book not to like pat myself on the shoulder i hate kind of doing that but um was the explanation for well, what actually happened my my wife read it was reading it and she asked me like, well, what, what's keeping these people from actually, or what makes them actually drink this milk, which basically, you know, makes them, is like an opiate and makes them, uh, you know, is, is supposed to, uh, you know, make them uh, follow the government and everything. Um, and, I, and then I just came up with this idea that, well, if the expiration date, I think, you know, is very short, people yeah. are gonna feel this panic about drinking it, you know, as, as quickly as possible um so you know it's like an easy explanation and they're like this is a satire that's enough That's all i need
0: <laughs> so yeah, i love that too going back to technology you created your own social network mm-hmm. for the book woosler yeah. uh are we out of control with social media as, as, as here in the real world
1: i feel out of as, as we're
0: broadcasting on facebook and youtube simultaneously i know we
1: can't avoid it right i mean but um i, I do i mean uh I, there's just too many social services, you know. I mean, just just personally, I'm I'm talking about it. I, I feel very overwhelmed by keeping track of all the different things, and I have to do it as a, as a journalist and as an author. I have to try to figure out, you know, what to do. Um, but I don't know. I mean, did you did you see the social dilemma on un- on Oh yeah, yeah. That that was pretty scary too.
0: <laughs> well, and you t- you were talking about privacy a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, I mean th- that genie is so far out of the bottle at this point. Like, yeah. We, we can't undo where we're at right now. Can we?
1: With I don't privacy. know. I mean, it, yeah, it's a problem because it's like, it's convenient as well. You know, like to, they, they know less information about us. Um, and then they use it to market us stuff we like, or, you know, or, or we, they use it, you know, Gmail, for example, is, is free. Um, but it's not really free i mean it's a you know they google is as an advertising business right so Mm -hmm. um you know putting all those those ads in there and everything like that it's you know they are making money in some way and and would people you know want to pay a hundred dollars a year for gmail um you know maybe some would and others (laughs) don't want to pay for that um so yeah, I know it, it's, it's hard to get rid of and all these gadgets. We have smartphones and, and watches and everything. They're, they're really neat. You know, it's like, yeah, they're stealing my identity or whatever, you are not stealing my identity, but you know, they're doing shady stuff possibly with my data, but it looks so cool. And you know, right. my friends are jealous. So <laughs> right?
0: yeah. After the most recent Facebook password hack was announced within the past day or so, I went to that, uh, have I been owned? website. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, okay, I, I dodged the Facebook bullet, but there's the whole list of every other site that has previous passwords that I've used and
1: yeah. What do you what do you do with that information? You find out you've been owned. What do you what do you do then? <laughs> well, here we are. Yeah, it just
0: I'll, yeah. I'll change my password yeah i can live yes, with I've the, yeah <laughs> I, I can live with the patreon hack i guess and you know a couple sites yeah. well i haven't been to that one for a while um but yeah it, it's it's stunning how much stuff is out there and you were talking about people contacting you on all these platforms it is overwhelming yeah all the all these social platforms i had a friend the other day said have you did you get that message i, I sent you on instagram fuck no i I, yeah. I just caught up on email and Facebook and yeah twitter and my work email
1: and And, yeah there's all the there's all the messaging apps too you know it's like i got like whatsapp facebook messenger my regular text messaging you know all of this on one phone and it's like i can't i want to just like get down to one but um i can't because some of my friends are you know are on signal or whatever and it's just yeah and then some people have the audacity to call Yeah, What are you doing?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm treading water here. What are you doing calling me? Stop it. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, One of my favorite lines in the book, and this isn't really a question, just an observation. It it happens early in the book. Uh, A great line about religion. My father is half Jewish, half Buddhist, while my mother is half Christian, one quarter Muslim, and one quarter Hindu. In what I consider a stroke of pure brilliance, I synthesized all these contradictions into a single belief system known as atheism. <laughs> I, I love that. I, I think it set the tone for the character, and I thought it was a really clever, clever kind of subversive statement.
1: Yeah. Th- well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I myself, I'm I'm half Catholic and half Jewish, um, and they kind of I think canceled each other out a bit. It, it, except I get the the guilt from both religions.
0: <laughs> it's like matter and antimatter. They just kind of <laughs> cancel each other out, right? Um, and he, I, the great thing about satire is. A good work of satire takes apart things that we just see and experience every day. I got the sense reading this book that you're annoyed by the same stuff I am in real life. Uh, The the characters go to a restaurant um, called Zand in the book, and it's one of these super pretentious restaurants where you you choose colors rather than food items because we've all seen that in the, the hipster parts of town where the menus are just so over the top and ludicrous and conceptual, it's just hard to, to drill down and just get a, get a good sandwich.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun with, with elements like that in this where I couldn't do that in a serious dystopian book. No. Um, but in a funny one, I, you know, I, I able to focus more on these kind of absurd things and, and also just stuff you do see in sci-fi novels, like weird food substitutes and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, Actually, I found it pretty easy kind of going into the the satire from a dystopian book. Um, I I think there's kind of some parallels between them because, you know, in both cases, you're doing this exaggeration of government and kind of where things are going. But, you know, with dystopia, you have the horror, um, whereas satire, as I said, you can focus on these kind of more absurd things. So, um, yeah, it was kind of I felt like a lot of freedom, actually, writing a comedic book, you know. Oh, for sure.
0: So by the same token that I was thinking we were annoyed by the same things in real life. I also thought that, Hey, Adam and I like the same things too. You reference both Batman and Spider-Man in this book. Oh yeah. Are you a comic nerd?
1: I, I'm a big uh, comic nerd. Yes.
0: I mean, right before we signed on, right before we started doing this interview, I was doing research, <laughs> trying to uh, go through all the different theories about who the power broker is on the Falcon and uh-huh. winter soldier.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. That, I love did that you, stuff. Did you figure it out? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I've been, I've really been into the uh, yeah these Marvel shows on Disney Plus lately. Uh, WandaVision, I th- I thought was really good. Actually, loved it. Um, just and and that's you know I, I liked how that kind of dabbled in this absurd and and you know the comedy and and stuff, uh, which I thought was like really really interesting. Um, yeah, the Winter Soldier, Soldier show is is good as well. I don't feel like it's quite as good as WandaVision yet. But I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping it, it gets there. Maybe just because it's more straightforward, you know, like they threw us this curveball with WandaVision. Yeah, uh, you didn't you didn't know where it was going. Yeah. You you kind
0: of have an idea of where Winter Soldier yeah. might end up.
1: But I do love the idea of these shows because they're like focusing on these kind of secondary characters from the movies that just like never really get fleshed out or, you know, and, and they're like great actors that they've cast in these parts. Um and like finally we're getting to kind of explore in some more depth, you know, who, who these people are. Um yeah. Do you do you remember the first comic book you ever bought? First comic book I ever bought. I want I think it was a Superman book. I think it was. I think it had like Metallo on the cover, and oh, he was awesome. really big. It was like a '90s Superman book. So uh, he probably had long hair. Yeah. Uh. No. It was. Pre, it was pre-long hair, but okay. like not far. Before, it was before he got killed by Doomsday. Like maybe got a it. year or so. I think is. Yeah, what I remember. But um, I don't know. I was probably too young to be reading it. They were all, you know, Metello like crushed some guy, and he was he said he was paralyzed, and I, you know.
0: <laughs> and for those listening or watching who don't don't know, Metello has the kryptonite heart. Yeah. Which really, if you're looking for someone to go up against Superman, that's really your guy.
1: Yeah, but for some reason, this book—I remember—he was gigantic, and I—I I don't know why. You know, it's one of those things where you—you you pick up the comic and realize it's like part three, oh. uh, and you haven't read the first two parts. But you're—I'll just, just go with it, you know.
0: And yet, it was easier then to pick up a comic like that. Now yeah. you're picking up a, a comic; it's part three of a multi-series crossover, and you don't oh, yeah. know where it starts. And then all the books have renumbered with number ones, and there are different volumes, and it's hard to, I, yeah. I, I, I sound I like that. an old man right now, and but I, I I find it overwhelming to dig into stuff now.
1: Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, the good thing is they like restart everything every few years because they realize everyone's gotten completely lost. Um, <laughs> so that that helps a bit. But but actually, now I'm starting to get more into kind of these creator-owned books. Um, that you know, some of these writers like Ed Brubaker and sure. uh, Matt Fraction, and you know, all, all these these good guys um, have slightly more adults you know, like noir books and, and things like that. And they're a little bit easier to, <laughs> to get in, you know? Yeah.
0: All right. So going back to utopia PR and the sure. books you've written before, one of my favorite genres before I even was aware of what the word was, has always been dystopian fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, dating back to when I was a kid and yeah, my dad took me to see escape from New York in the theater. I've always yeah. been fascinated. What is it about dystopias or dystopian fiction that that makes you want to create in that space?
1: I I find it just a really great way to kind of look at current events, actually, and and just current societal issues that we're facing. Um, As as fiction, I I think it's more accessible than, you know, just like talking politics with someone. A lot of people like, you know, don't talk politics with me and that kind of thing but it's this great way you have this metaphor um, that you can really uh, you know re- reach people in a kind of a different way. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just always found that it fascinating. You can, you know, by, by kind of taking this issue and just kind of extending it out to it's uh, the worst it could possibly get, you know, it really kind of, it, it, it exposes those things. And, and there's just so many cool ways you can do it. You can do it with all kinds of issues. Like, uh, you know, surveillance is like the easiest one to think of because 1984, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my first uh, book, We the Watched, kind of it goes into those issues. But then you have other books like uh, The Handmaid's Tale, you know, which is really talking about, um, you know, women's issues, gender issues, um, and just doing it in such a unique way. Well, um, one of the
0: hardest books I've ever read.
1: Yeah. And that show is really tough that's to a, watch.
0: Yeah, That's not something you binge. That, yeah. You're grateful that you have to wait a week for the next episode
1: yeah and so, so i'm always excited to read a new book that a new dystopian book that's taking on a new issue like that um i actually read a book which maybe is more horror genre but i think it's kind of dystopian um it's called uh, lakewood uh by megan giddings and that it, it's it's topic is medical experimentation but it's kind it tackles race issues and and how you know kind of the history of that um <laughs> medical experiments over the years and you know uh it's just it's just really like a un, just a unique new take by kind of a you know a, a different voice so yeah
0: so if people want to read utopia pr they can they can mm-hmm. pull it up on kindle right now on amazon they can order it uh, it's out there and it's a fun read and it's a, a lot of it as as we talked about tonight uh will, will seem familiar familiar enough in this dystopian world right. so really nice job on the book i'm glad we got the chance to talk
1: yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And all the store links are on my website uh, for the book, utopiapr.info. So go there and and check it out.
0: All right. You are Adam Bender. Stay right on the line. We're going to stop the broadcast here.